You can only expand in areas that you are gifted or talented in. If you are talented in music, you can go to Juilliard School of Music and learn a lot. If you're tone deaf, you can go to Juilliard for the rest of your life and you're never gonna get any better. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on the three stages of a pastor's life. With me is my friend and producer of Stream Roots, the John Blosser. John, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. Enjoying life. Yeah. Yep. I got to be a caddy for my son's golf team. Oh, how'd that go? It was great just being out there with him, and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. So Very cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Today we have a special guest for this episode, Pastor Mike Minter. Mike was the founding pastor of Reston Bible Church in Northern Virginia, where he and his wife Kay served for 47 years. He now serves as an associate teaching pastor and mentors younger leaders at Rolling Hills Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Mike, we're so glad to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, yeah, you've given a, a pretty good round out there of, of my bio. Um, we moved down here to Tennessee, um, mainly to be with our grandkids down here. We have some up north as well, kind of split in the time. And on my way down, I got a call from my good friend Jeff Simmons uh, and his executive pastor, Eric Rogers, if I would consider coming on staff. And I said, no. I said, I've been on staff for almost 48 years, and I, I loved it. I'll be glad to help out. But they um, they could talk a hungry hound off a meat wagon. They just kept pursuing. So I said, yes, okay, I'll do it. But uh, I'm not going to put in 40 hours a week. So they said, how about 15? I said, okay, 15, which has turned into about 30. But yeah. that, That's how ministry works. <laughs> ministry, yep. And I absolutely love it because if I was just sitting around the house, I'd probably lose my mind. So yep. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Oh, good. Praise God. Well, we're glad you're here. I want to jump into our discussion. I want to read for us from the book of Acts. And this is what God's word says in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It's Paul writing to the Ephesian elders or talking to the Ephesian elders. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now there's a lot going on here with Paul's final address to the Ephesian elders and pastors before he departs. He's encouraging and warning them. First, they keep a close watch on themselves and then on the flock of God. The Holy Spirit has called and empowered them to this ministry and us for those who serve in the local church. There'll be different seasons and stages in that ministry. Sometimes we need to be on guard against fierce wolves. Other times things will go smoothly. Sometimes things will be incredibly easy. Other times things will be very, very hard. There's going to be different stages that we'll all face. And this is why we invited 
Pastor Mike Minter, to talk about the different stages in a pastor's life. So, Mike, can you talk about those? What what are the different stages in a pastor's life? Well, as I look back, there's the imagination stage where you sort of uh, imagine what things are going to look like. And then you go into your experience stage. And then you go into the rearview mirror stage. And each one uh, has a different dimension as to how you're looking at things, uh, how you've grown, what you've understood. It has its it has its pitfalls. And so I just went back and looked at my own life. I couldn't tell you how long each stage was, but I do recall how these things played out over my many years of ministry. And so I wrote this in in the book, Stay the Course, to help pastors look at their lives because something like 1,500 pastors a month are resigning. I heard that several years ago. I mm. I hope that statistic isn't true, but I'm afraid it probably is. And we're facing things today that I never faced in the early stages, but I've been through those stages now, and I kind of understand what's going on even for those that are starting out right now. So that's why I've got those broken down the way they are. Mm. Imagine. So can you describe what does that mean? Like the imagine. So I feel like for me, I've been in ministry for a little over 15, 16 years now. It's been it's been a long journey here. Uh, lead lead pastor here for almost eight years. I'm kind of I, I would hope, I think, in the experience stage. Um, but what does that mean? Like the imagination stage, the experience stage and then the rearview mirror stage? Okay, uh, the imagination stage is, uh, and and this has probably been hyped up more today than when I first started. The imagination stage is you you've been on the internet, you've heard the John MacArthur's, the Pipers, you've heard <laughs> of of guys that whether you like them or not, like Steve Furtick, who starts something in his basement, and a week later he's meeting in a stadium. So you know you 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 sort of project yourself onto that screen. You sort of imagine what you think you're going to do, and without realizing it, you're probably not really consulting the Lord as much as you've looked at your own talents, your own strengths, your own abilities, and you're imagining that your church is going to really explode, and then it doesn't, because uh, few churches do explode. Um, and so that's the that's the imagination stage. It, it's it's the difference between expectations and reality, which is always disappointment. Now, I do have to say this, and it certainly had nothing to do with me. I happened to go to a place where it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Nobody had heard the gospel in Reston when I arrived in 1974. I mean, not a soul. And so I started a little Bible study with just a handful of people, and it exploded. I didn't even have that imagination, but it did, and it just took off. But later on, once the once the uh, the internet got underway, uh, even though I was further into the into the ministry, but around 2000 2005, that people were starting to blog and all that kind of thing, and that's when I was able to look at other churches and make sort of comparisons and well, how come we're not growing as fast as they are? That kind of thing. So I sort of entered into the imagination stage a little bit late, but I think it's important. Um, that every single pastor needs to realize that God's calling is his enabling. And what he has called you to, he will do. Uh, and we, we forget that. That's so easy to forget, easy to get discouraged, easy to get down on ourselves. But that often, that often moves into the, into the next stage. But 
you've got to give your expectations to the Lord as you go through this. you got to build a, and I really learned this pretty early on, but it was pretty painful the way I learned it. But I think I started building a team around talent and not humility. Mm. And you can have a lot of talent, but if you don't have humility, there's going to be a lot of friction. And I think you two certainly are probably aware of that if you've been ministering any lengthy period of time. And but but we're 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 drawn to talent. We think boy, this guy could really do something, or she could really do something, only to find out that they're really hard to work with, mm. and they wind up damaging your team rather than than building it. Um, I think that was important. I also I think I used to sweep uh, small problems under the under the rug in the early stages. I would think, well, this is not that big a deal, but it eventually becomes a big deal. I think numbers says deal with it in the day that you hear about it, you know, and and I I my nature is I don't like conflict. So I put a lot of things off and and but they they always come back to bite you. Not some of the time they will eventually take root and the law of the harvest will come in. And there were things that that happened 20 years later that I'm thinking if I had just dealt with this way back in the very beginning. So that was that's kind of outlines that a little bit. Um, and it's important to seek wisdom in those early stages from older pastors, which I did. I ran out of uh, of teaching material very, very early on. I didn't have a whole lot of Bible training. I'd had a couple of years of a Bible college. So I didn't have a whole lot. And I was teaching way too much. I was doing a Sunday school class, a morning service, an evening service, a midweek thing. And I was burned out. I'd taught him everything I knew. So I went down the street to a Bible church about seven or eight miles from us. I said, you got to help me. He said, he said, well, what are you teaching? And I told him, he said, have you ever thought of doing expository preaching? I said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> he <laughs> said, that's when you take just a few verses a week out of a, I thought, well, that's novel. So he really saved my bacon because I started doing expository preaching way, way back and it really took the pressure off. So that was the, the beginning stage. The experience stage, unless you have some questions about the first I stage, do. you want yeah. to pause. You know, I'm, I'm, it piqued my interest when you said something about 20 years. Something that, could you mind sharing that if you remember what it was in 20 years that you didn't take care of and then all of a sudden it was. Oh, oh, yes, yes, I sure can. Um, there, there, was a, there was a couple in our church that were... Uh, really causing some problems and we let it go we let it go too long i say we i think i sort of pushed it aside a little bit and then i kept then i dabbled with it when when it it should have been just cut without but i had this fear that they were pretty popular and we'd lose a lot of people and that kind of thing and it and it did play itself out for quite some period of time even i would say yeah, yeah, it it played itself itself out for a long period of time. There was a certain amount of bitterness that certain people held. They clung to it. They would bring it up years later, and uh, it 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 would it would surface. It's long since gone now. It's dead, and I'm not even there anymore. Uh, but they were they were just sort of professional troublemakers. We eventually asked them to leave. Should have done it much sooner, and and not gotten as 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 entangled as we did. Um, and there were other situations where I think uh, that if I look back where I didn't, um, let me put it this way, 
where I didn't lead well, where I didn't have, I, I was never a great visionary. I was always more of a teacher. But I look back over the years, and I'm thinking, you know, I really could have cast a better vision back in 19, whatever, 85 or 95 or something. And I believe I, I took us on a little bit of a trajectory that probably um, probably wasn't as as sound. I, I probably really needed to get with somebody who, who could think better than I do and help have them help me cast the vision and then stick with it. Uh, because my role was put Mike up and let him teach the Bible. <laughs> Don't put Mike in a meeting. Don't put Mike in a meeting and plan on having him come up with a, with a vision. I, my vision is what are we having for lunch? You know, I, I never had a vision much, much beyond that. But we did need to have some people that had that vision that could help me carry it out through the pulpit. Uh, so I, I look back and I think that it didn't damage the church, but it, it, it didn't help the church. And I think the church could be further along than it is. Uh, due to that that weakness in in my leadership, so that would be a thing that that, that you know the seeds you plant at the very beginning are the things that grow all throughout your ministry. Mm. They just do, um, and so it's important to know what you're planting at the very very beginning. I've sowed some good seeds, and I sowed some seeds, and I'm not sure we're all that great. So, <laughs> and welcome to the team. <laughs> okay, great, uh, awesome. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, the experience stage. Yeah, experience stage is is that stage where, after you've been around for a while, uh, you start you start second guessing a little bit, and I can even tell you a little bit of a of a story on that in just a moment. You start wondering, you know, is the church where I think it should be? Uh, it and some pastors are going to compare numbers. They're going to go online and see that this guy's church is just blown up, and they've got five campuses and and you're wondering why you haven't moved out of your your living room, you know that kind of thing. And and all that that's never healthy, but it is crushing if you start making all kinds of comparisons in those areas. You can also start uh, asking where did I go wrong? Did it was I really a have I really been a good leader? Um, did I misread God on this? And I just know that a lot of pastors are not coming forth. With that, but one day, about 20, maybe 22, 23 years ago, I was I was burned out. Uh, there was a lot of confusion going on. I didn't think I was handling it well. And I just walked into an elder meeting, and I just said, men, I'm done. And I handed in uh, uh, my resignation. And the, <laughs> the lead elder, the chummer elders goes, he tore it up, and he put it in the trash, and he says, Okay, now the first thing on the agenda tonight is, and he just kept right on going. <laughs> and I'm glad he did because 20 years later, you know, the church grew and he was a great friend. I think I was just really upset at the time. And maybe I was even looking for sympathy. I don't know what I was doing, but uh, I knew God had called me there and I knew I wasn't going to ultimately resign. But, uh, but I certainly felt like it at that moment. And I told my wife what I was doing. And, um, uh, and but he he and the elders said ah, we'll get through this and and we did it was just a really difficult time in the church and every pastor is going to have that there's there's never going to be a time that you don't think like things are going to capsize it's it's just ministry but he's in the boat with us so we have to stick that out if we really believe we're called to it yeah. so that's kind of the second 
stage. And, and it's also good at that stage to take a little inventory. Well, how, what, what has God done, you know, in my life and in the church's life? Uh, I, I could have easily looked back then and seen that we had given millions and millions of dollars to world missions, because that's always been a big thing. And lots of churches had been planted around the world. And but I, I couldn't focus on that. All I could focus on is where I thought I was failing. And we've really got to get out of that pit because we know that any type of negative thinking is not from Jesus. He may he may prod us in some areas, but he's never going to he's not there to drag us down. I and mean, he's the chief shepherd and he's going to continue to not just hang in there, but but really stay the course uh, and move forward and trust him with with things. We lost a thousand people to a large church uh, when when they moved into a huge facility and uh, they were oh, 10 miles from us. But so many people, they just had everything going, everything. If, if you had red hair and like to wear green socks, they had a pastor for that. <laughs> and it was just and we couldn't compete. We lost a thousand people in about a six month period. Wow. And I thought, we're, we're going to capsize. Not only did we not capsize, we gained all those people back and the giving never dropped a bit. Hmm. I can't even begin to explain it other than the fact that apparently those thousand people didn't give. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, so uh, there's some, there are people you want to help out and there are people you want to help out. And uh, so, so yeah, they, yeah. they went down the street and probably didn't give there either. Yeah. So, so at any rate, but that's, that's that stage. Yeah. That, that, that would be, Crisis, you know, a thousand people leaving, uh, a lot of questions there. And and you mentioned this, again, this peak matrix as well. Uh, you said you were burned out, and that's when you turned it, you, you put in your resignation. Well, can you speak about that, like in the experience stage? How, how did you get to that spot of being burned out? Was it was it because of all of that when you were hemorrhaging people, or what was it? Yes, uh, we, we lost, we, we had uh, probably eight elders at that time, and three of them, uh, they they got tired of this fight we were with with the with these people, and they just said, "Hey, you know, Mike, we love you, but we're out of here. We we just can't." And and of course, when you lose elders, we don't just sweep it under the carpet. We announce it, and we mm. get up and we we tell people we just lost Joe Jones or so on. And and I thought, how in the the people are going to wonder what is going on? That we've had eight elders, now we're down to about five. Uh, is there turmoil on the board? And I remember one time I had to have a, I called a church meeting, uh, and I, mainly for the people that were really, really serious about the church, not just sort of pretenders that were out there. But, and I had to address uh, some hard things. I had to address uh, issues. And I remember, I remember saying to the people, I know some of you might be confused about how we've handled certain things, but there are certain things that I simply am not at liberty to tell you. I, I can't. Um, but, and I said this, and I remember distinctly saying it, if you can't trust me as your pastor, if you, if you think that I've been deceptive through the years, or if you can't trust this leadership, I strongly encourage you to find another church because you can't be in a church where you don't trust the leadership. Yep. And I think that statement made a, made a big difference for the people. I think they saw that I was willing to lose people on the issue of trust and integrity. And I don't think we lost any more than a couple of families. Yeah. 
it was important to have that meeting. It really was. And I was honest with my with people asking me questions about things. I was honest in saying, yeah, I made I've made some mistakes here, done this wrong. Um, and I think people people really respond to that. If, if they always see a pastor that's never done anything wrong and he's always defensive and must be somebody else's fault and that type of thing. And then that doesn't go over real well. And my dad was a very high ranking military officer. He was superintendent of the Naval Academy. He was a three-star admiral. He was a skipper of the, of the aircraft carrier Intrepid. And I watched my dad handle integrity issues, the likes of which I've never heard anybody handle. I mean, he didn't bend on integrity, anything. And if he, if he had done something wrong, he owned up to it. Hmm. And I just don't see that happening anywhere today, particularly in the government. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never the person that's in the lead. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I think my dad sort of instilled some of that. You know, I think that helped me with my leadership in, in, in church work. And um, so anyway, All right, awesome. that's where I'm on. Okay. So then, and then the third stage, so you have the imagination stage, experience stage, and then what, what's the third stage? The third stage is rear view mirror. Uh, this is when you're really starting to look back. Uh, if I, I've, I've sort of picked a 25 year mark because some pastors will stay for 20, uh, Chuck Swindoll, uh, I was just out there about a year ago and I had the privilege of having lunch with him. He is 88 or 89 getting ready to take another trip to Israel. <laughs> I'm thinking what? So he's looking back at a lot of things and i'm thinking this stage is is when you look back at at 25 years or longer whatever uh and this is just sort of a rear view mirror uh, there's there's there at this stage you begin to realize that you are starting to really long for heaven uh you realize that 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 this world is not going to change it's continuing to go downhill you've done the best you can to inform your people and train them but it's it's still a very profitable time in your life because it gives you a chance to really see uh, where the markers were along the way the the hard times what what god was defining in your life at that time how you could have led better what you learned through that time uh, what it really looked like to trust the Lord, also to look back and see how faithful he was in in such difficult times. I, I, I uh, one of my favorite stories. I'll just try to keep it brief. But when we put up our first facility in 1983, we had been moving from uh, uh, school to school. We there was a man. Uh, his name was Ralph Herring, and he came out of retirement to help us because he knew we didn't have the money we were going to build for cash. He was the superintendent. He was not going to charge us a dime. He'd had lots of construction business and his wife was dying of cancer and she wanted him to do this. Um, but, and she would drive by almost every day and park her, her beautiful Mercedes Benz car out front and watch the construction. Then she'd go back and get some rest because she was starting to fade, but she really wanted him to do this. Well, one of our elders uh, wrote him a letter and said, just do the job and stay out of our business. It, it, it was way out of line. Mm. And he was so upset. He said, I'll stay out of your business. I'm done. I'm at the hospital holding a man's hand who's dying of cancer. 
I get a phone call from my wife at the hospital and says, Mike, Ralph's walked off the job. And I'm thinking, I'm going to jail. I have signed all the vendors. All the big machinery is out there. Everything is out there. The bricks are out there. Everything's out there. And we can't do it without him. We don't have the money to hire somebody. So I go home to my wife and I said, I'm, I'm doomed. I, what can I do? And she said, she said, I think you need to go over to his wife, Ruth's health, right now and ask forgiveness for that letter. And I drove over and I knocked on their door and Ruth came to the door and I came in, we sat down and I said, Ruth, I am so sorry for that letter. Uh, and she said, you didn't write that, did you? I said, no, I didn't, but it doesn't make any difference. I'm still in charge as the senior pastor and I take full responsibility. And she said, Mike, I know you didn't write it, and I know you're asking forgiveness, so I forgive you, and I will have Ralph back on the job tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and he came back, and he burned the letter. We burned the one we wrote to him. He burned the one, and we had a little bonfire there, and I just, I felt, God, you came out of nowhere on this one. But my wife's wisdom really got me out, out of that one. So I, I look back at things like that, and I think, I was sure I was done, but I wasn't done because mm. God was building his church and he didn't need me to do it. But he he blessed me in that situation. I've got many, many other stories that are similar to that. So yeah. he's, he's bailed, bailed me out a few times. So I think this is the stage when you when you look back and you say, Lord, you really were faithful. You know, if, if you've stayed in the ministry for 20, 25 years, you know, you're you're able to see what God has done. Uh, and just be thankful for that. You may not have the biggest church in the world, but that's, you know, God's called people to small churches, big churches. And and I've told every pastor up in Northern Virginia when I was up there, I, David Platt and all the big guys up there, I told them, I said, you better get ready because I think the church is going to be moved underground. I don't think we've got but about four or five years left. I think the mega church will be forced underground because of the moral decay of our society and we are now the enemies and i think they're going to start shutting us down but that's that's just an old guy prophesying a little bit hmm. so i i want to go back to your i love that story what what was the elder thing why, why did he write this i don't know again this peak, peak it, it was a it, it was one of the elders just one guy he didn't he, but he signed it elders oh. and none of us had seen it he just thought that Ralph was getting too involved in, in a lot of our daily stuff. And Ralph didn't want to go to meetings. He said, we need to do this. We need to do this. And uh, this guy said, you just stick to doing the building and leave us and let us do what we do. And it, but it was pretty, it was pretty nasty. Wow. And uh, it really hurt Ralph's feelings. I and mean, Ralph was doing this for free and putting in 15, 18 hours a day wow. with his wife dying. And uh, it, it was just, it was so sad. And matter of fact, she passed away a little bit before we finished. And uh, I went out to the hospital and he was holding her hand. He says, Mike, she's in a coma, but just talk to her, just talk to her. And I said, Ruth, this is Mike. And she started squeezing my hand. Mm. And uh, it, it just sort of brought a little bit of life into it because she and I had become very close in this and she'd meant so much for doing this. And she passed away. I did her memorial service, and Ralph said, I know she wants me back on the job right away. And he was. Uh, obviously very grieving, but it was a, it was a monumental 
um, time in my life to see somebody sacrifice the way the two of them both did in that situation. And it was just a great blessing and still is one for me to this very day. Oh, yeah. Praise God indeed. All right, Mike, this is awesome. I, I have one more last, I have one last question for you. What okay. are things to be on guard against in each stage of a pastor's life? So think about like the imagination uh, stage, the experience stage, the rearview mirror. Is there things that you need to be aware of or be on guard against? Just as Paul, like, hey, yeah. I want to be on guard here. But like, what would you say? Yeah. Well, I would say that if you're, if you're in the imagination stage, um, what you want to do is give your expectations to God, which is what the Psalms say. It's very easy, particularly with the Internet and all the things that are out there, how to have explosive growth. And you go to all the different seminars. I, I went to, uh, uh, boy, 19. Oh, I'm trying to think. Let's see. North Point is about 22 years old. So it was 22 years ago. Old, uh, years ago, I went to um, a uh, Bill Hybels leadership seminar because, you know, and we'd already been underway for a few years. But little did I know, Andy Stanley was at that seminar and he hadn't started North Point. And uh, Hybels got up and spoke on the gift of leadership. And Stanley said to himself, he's written on this later, he said, I think I think I have that gift. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> so he goes back and he starts North Point. And the thing just exploded. Well, I went back and I realized, why do I go to these leadership seminars when that's not my gift? You can only expand in areas that you are gifted or talented in. If you are talented in music, you can go to Juilliard School of Music and learn a lot. If you're tone deaf, you can go to Juilliard for the rest of your life and you're never going to get any better. All right. I knew that I wasn't a visionary, I wasn't a leader, and I'd come back with all the notebooks and everything and just sit at my desk. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't write out my next plan, but Andy could. And that's that's that. So I would say in the imagination stage, guard against expectations. Be honest with uh, who you are and what your abilities are. You may want to get around some people that are uh, that really know you well, and they'll tell you the hard thing. I had a I had a dear friend of mine that was on our staff, and he really wanted to start his own church. And uh, great friend, great brother, he'd been at Reston Bible Church for a number of years, but he he wanted to go out and really start something different. So I met with he and his wife, along with a couple other friends of mine, and I said I said John, let me ask you a question. If I gave you a hundred people. Uh, to go out and start a church, and five years down the road, it's 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 topped out at 500, and it's never going to get any bigger. Would you be satisfied with that? He goes, "Oh, absolutely not. I couldn't handle that." So I said, "Well, John, I'll be very honest with you. You're a great leader, but you're not a super gifted communicator. And big churches always have those two tied together." If you look at the high bulls or if you look at, uh, at whoever, you know, Andy Stanley, those people usually have their great visionaries and their great communicators. And I said, you might have a vision, but you're going to have trouble communicating it. I didn't realize till a couple of years later how much it hurt him. <laughs> it hurt his feelings. Hmm. By the way, he ended up working for Andy Stanley. Okay. Uh, but he never he never went into he, he just uh, he headed up a different ministry down there. 
and we've stayed in touch all through the years. He left a couple of years ago, but uh, but I realized that he was never that was never going to be his thing, the upfront thing. So I think in the in the imagination stage, you really have to be honest with yourself. You've got to build a team with a lot of people that have got a lot of humility, along with certain abilities and talents. Uh, the experience stage is that stage where again you are um, you're, you're moving into into an area where you now have um, some experience under your belt, uh, but that's the time when the enemy will attack if you start making lots of comparisons as to where you think you should be, and that's usually numbers. That's almost always numbers. Uh, I think we should be running 500 or 1,000 or what, why, what's, why is the church down the street doing such a great job? I had the privilege in 1970, oh, I don't know, 75, somewhere in that vicinity, where uh, J.I. Packer was speaking at a at National Presbyterian Church on, on, on the Holy Spirit. And I went down there, and it wasn't a big group. He had just come out with his book, Knowing God. And I asked him during a break, I said, I said, do you have lunch uh, plans? He says, no, I don't. I said, can I take you to lunch? So here I am taking J.I. Packer out to lunch. <laughs> and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, do you think that God looks down at this world and looks at a particular church and says, now that's a church? Without hesitation, he said, oh, yes. And it's probably meeting in a cave in Nepal. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> I love it. J.A. Packer the is so sharp. The point being, that is a real church where people are praying every day. I go to the Amazon every year to train jungle pastors. I see people that just spend their days in prayer for water, food. Uh, and so I, I would think that this, this second stage is, is the experience stage where you, you can second-guess yourself. What have I accomplished? What have I done? You know, it's the Tower of Babel stage where you, you're, you're trying to build this tower to heaven. And you're wondering, but God isn't in the picture. And you begin to realize, wait a minute, he has me where he has me. I still have a passion in my belly to, to teach and to preach. And I'm, I, I would say there that if you lose the desire, if you lose the desire to teach the word of God, if if you uh, if, if you lose the desire to really lead people and disciple people, it isn't necessarily time to resign, but it's time to get some counseling. It's time to take a break, sabbatical, and rethink and go into the woods for a while and let God just talk to you. Because I had to do that. I had a special little place that I went when I just felt burned out. It was a little hill and resting at a at a at a, uh, a park. And when I was just just done, where talking to people made no difference, I would go up there and just sit with my Bible and just sit. And I would pray and meditate. I'd usually come down from that hill feeling, nope, I think I got another five years in me. They started looking for my successor 12 years before I left. <laughs> they yeah. kept kicking. We couldn't find, we couldn't find the right person and and it wasn't that I was so great. It's just that I had been there for so long and the people are used to me. We needed to get the right person. And we eventually <laughs> did. And things are going great. But that was a that was a, you know, so the experience stage is is one where you, you really take some time to look at it. And and I think uh, the rear view mirror stage is after you've been there for 20, 25 years, 
this is a this is a time when you when I think you you look back a little bit like you like you do in the in in the second stage, but but this this uh, this is the time I think to really uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a journaler, and I wish I wish I had. Um, but this is a time when I think you really spend a day or two looking back over the history of your ministry, what God has done, when were the good times, the bad times, what brought you out of the bad times, what uh, what brought what brought on the bad times. Uh, I often say, a wisdom doesn't guarantee you won't have any problems in life. It simply guarantees you won't be the cause. And so. I try to get people, pastors, to take a look and see when the church wasn't doing well, what did you do to contribute to that? Or was that something that a forest fire started and you were just in the midst of it? We had, in a 15-month period, we had three suicides, a murder, and a moral failure on staff in 15 months. I was just going through the, I mean, you talk about, I, I couldn't get, it was like trying to take a, a, a surfboard out, out to the ocean and just having the waves constantly crash on you when you couldn't get it out there. That's another, that's another thing. I looked at that and I thought, we're going to, we're going to just fold up. This place, we grew. People pulled together. They knew what I was under. They knew what the elders were under and people pulled together. We had one meeting where all I did was stand up there and I prayed for 45 minutes and I passed the microphone out to anybody that wanted to pray. And one of my daughters walked up, grabbed the mic out of my hand and said, we need to really pray. And uh, <laughs> she just prayed. As a matter of fact, I think, I think we do have it. We got it on video. Uh, and there were people that said, that's the best service I've ever been to. Mm. And it was in the midst of some of the hardest things I've ever been because a man had just murdered a guy in our church, and uh, and I'd been counseling this guy, and I thought he was doing okay, and and he's in prison for life right now, and that's a long story. But there isn't much I haven't experienced. I can tell you that <laughs> I've been through the ringer, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because I'm in that rearview mirror stage, and I'm enjoying it. I know that I've there I, there are many things I could have done differently. I'm not beating myself up over it, and I'm thoroughly enjoying not having the weight of uh, of the of the staff right now because I'm there as a teacher and I teach 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and I teach for an hour and a half on a Wednesday night and um, for a few times a year I do that on my two about seven weeks in the fall and seven weeks in the spring but I have this Sunday morning Bible study that's just for people over 60 and that's a fun time then I preach from the pulpit down here quite a bit in other places so I'm really enjoying this part of my life and ministry more than I ever have because, and it's, I don't have a PhD in anything but experience. <laughs> I've just been around the block and you can't brag about that. I've just, I've just lived long enough. And, and I just really want to pass on whatever I can to pastors that are struggling or anybody in ministry that's just really struggling. So at any rate, I hope I've said something that's worthwhile to your listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Mike, for being here. Thank you for your insight, for your wisdom. Uh, you referenced a book you wrote at the beginning of our podcast. Can you, uh, what is that, Stay the Course? Stay the Course, published by Broadman and Holman. 
Got it. All right, we'll put that. It's on, it's on Amazon. Amazon, we'll put it on our show notes. So, I, yeah, again, I want to just thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing all these things and uh, and and just this, these stages in, in our in a pastor's life. Uh, super helpful. Uh, I'm going to sign off here. Uh, Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at Barnabas Ministries MI. .org. That's Barnabas Ministries MI. .org. If you find this podcast helpful, we encourage you to subscribe. Or, leave a review or give a rating or even tell a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people. And we'd be grateful if you did. We release an episode every Monday morning. Stream roots drawing deep from the living water of God's word.